Father, I pray that our joy would be in you and in you alone. And any time we begin to put our hope and trust in other things or other people instead of you, would you bring that to our mind's eye immediately so we can confess that and make sure that our hope is in you and in you alone. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, it is good to see you. I'm so glad that you are uh, with us this morning. Uh, We will talk about when we all get to come back together, but the thing that I appreciate is what Brett shared earlier, that uh, we can worship wherever, wherever we want to go, wherever we are with the people that are around us. And so thanks for entering, entering into worship with us. Uh, this is a day that uh, has all kinds of emotion to it. Uh, Mother's Day is uh, always an interesting time for me. I'm so grateful that I was brought up in a home where uh, I had parents who loved Jesus and pursued us. And yet I know that is not the case for everyone. And uh, we want to pray specifically uh, and try to uh, pray that, one, if you did not have a parent, a mom in particular, that pursued you uh, in the way that uh, would be pleasing to God, um, I'm glad you're here. Way to be brave and put yourself in a position uh, to let God speak to you and for you to Uh, live with and lean into some of the disappointment uh, that you've had. But we want to pray specifically for a wide range of moms. And this was shared with me. It's called the wide spectrum of mothering. And so this is how this will drive our prayer to those who gave birth this year to their first child. We celebrate with you. Nothing better than that. But to those who lost a child this year, we mourn with you. To those who are in trenches with little ones every day and you wear the badge of food stains, we appreciate you. To those who experience loss through miscarriage, failed adoptions, or running away, we mourn with you. To those who walk the hard path of infertility, fraught with pokes and prods and tears and disappointment, We walk with you and forgive us when we say foolish things. We don't mean to make this harder than it is, but many times we do. To those who are foster moms, mentor moms, spiritual moms, we need you. To those who have warm and close relationships with your children, uh, we celebrate with you. To those who have disappointment, heartache, And even distance with your children, we sit with you in that disappointment. To those who lost their mothers this year, we want to grieve with you. To those who experience abuse at the hands of your own mother, we acknowledge your experience. To those who live through driving tests, medical tests, And the overall testing of motherhood, we're better for having you in our midst. To those who have aborted children, we remember them and we remember you on this day. To those who are single and long to be married and mothering your own children, we mourn that life has not turned out the way that you longed for it to be. To those who step-parent, We walk with you on these complex paths. 
to those who envision lavishing love on grandchildren, yet that dream is not to be. We grieve with you. To those who will have emptier nests in this upcoming year, many of you are hoping you'd have an empty nest sooner than later right now, I'm sure. But we do grieve with you and we rejoice in those who placed your children up for adoption. For those who, who placed your children up for adoption, we commend you for your selfishness, selflessness. And remember how you hold that child in your heart. And to those who are pregnant with new life, both expected and surprising, we anticipate with you. This Mother's Day... We walk with you. Mothering is not for the faint of heart. And we have real warriors in our midst, and we remember you. I can't imagine any role that's more demanding, and I can't imagine that there would be one more satisfying. So this week I read about a mom named Nancy, and Nancy's kids asked her, So, Mom, what's it like to be a mom? So she, that night she woke them up at 2 in the morning to let them know her sock came off. So we want to spend just a moment in praying and giving thanks for our moms and ultimately that our joy is in the Lord and that we have an opportunity to embrace uh, God at any juncture of what our past has been, that he redeems all when we come to him. Let's pray. Father, thank you that you love us and you care for us. And Father, I'm grateful that you can cause all things to work together for those who love you and seek you. So regardless of whether we've had an amazing um, experience in in our homes being brought up with a mom, or maybe it's not been. God, thank you that you have never left us, and thank you that you can cause all things to work together for good. Father, I pray that we, those that are are moms that are listening in, I pray that they would feel loved, that they would feel valued, that they would feel important and that you would use those around them to breathe words of encouragement and that the moms would hear this. And Father, as we look to your word today, I pray that it would make a difference, that our hope would be in you and you alone. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, what I want to do today is cover a couple of passages. But one, the takeaway of what I wanted to challenge you with is to live in light of what's coming. And when I say that, It'll make sense in just a moment. But this applies certainly to all the moms in our midst, but it is applicable to every one of us to live our lives in light of what's coming. The first passage is found in 2 Timothy chapter 1. I'll give you a moment to find that. It's a great passage, and I hope uh, after we look at it, it will become one of your favorites and one that drives how you choose to live in light of what is to come. 1 Timothy 1.5 says, I've been reminded of your sincere faith, which first lived in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded now lives in you also. And I love this because Paul is talking to Timothy and he's saying, I'm reminded of your sincere faith. And that word sincere in the Greek means it's not hypocritical. It's without defect. In other words, what he's saying is, Timothy, you now own your own relationship with Jesus Christ. You have your own faith. And he said, I'm reminded of your your sincere faith. And it says, it first lived in, in your grandmother Lois 
And it then was passed on to the, your mother Eunice. And then it's been passed on to Timothy as well. It says, and I am persuaded that now lives in you also. Don't underestimate the impact that your personal walk with Jesus will have on those around you and those after you. Don't allow the evil one to comment on all the things that you could have been better. All of us uh, could be much, those of us who are parents could be so much better in, in any number of areas. But we must not negate what God is doing in and through us. And don't underestimate the impact of your own personal walk with Jesus and how it will impact those around you and on the next generation and the next generation and the next generation. Lois was Timothy's grandmother. Eunice was his mother. And they taught Timothy the scriptures said, in fact, it says, I'm reminded of the sincere faith. And this is what Timothy got from his grandmother Lois and from his mother Eunice. This is what began to live in him. Hebrews 11.1, 1, the fundamental fact of existence is this. Here it is. This trust in God, this faith, this trust in God is the firm foundation under everything that makes life worth living. It's our handle on what we cannot see. I mean, think about this. If you could in, in, in give a gift to those who are around you, and moms, if you could give a gift to your children and your grandchildren, your great-grandchildren, what an amazing gift this would be that their trust would be in God in this firm foundation under everything, including a coronavirus. This firm foundation ever, under everything that makes life worth living. It's the handle on what they cannot see. What an amazing gift. I think all of us would love to provide a problem-free environment for all of our kids and grandkids and our neighbors and all the people we love, whom we love. We would love to give them a problem-free life, but I'm not convinced that that is the best way for us to live our lives. Instead of having to dread the next fearful event that comes our way or disappointment, what an amazing gift that we would be able to say that this trust in God, this is a firm foundation under everything regardless of what we come up against, that our firm foundation would be in Jesus Christ. It would be our handle. That is the handle we hang on to, not something to change or someone else to change. Faith is not the absence of fear. It's the presence of a stronger God. Many times we find ourselves saying, if I could just get over my fearfulness, and that's the issue is not the absence of the fear. It's the presence and our focus on a stronger God who is our handle on life and our handle on those things that we cannot see. So we talk about this all the time. Instead of dwelling on the future and dwelling on things that we have no control over, instead meditate on what you do know about God. And that's where we'll focus our time. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, it says, But as for you, he's speaking to Timothy, continue in what you've learned, continue what you've learned from Lois and Eunice, and that you become convinced of, because you know those from whom you learned it, Lois and Eunice, and how from infancy, notice this, how from infancy you have known the holy scriptures which are able to make you wise for salvation. And it's not just that initial salvation. It's ongoing salvation. It's ongoing of God rescuing us from ourselves. And Scripture comes alive. And that's why every week we talk about staying in the Scriptures on a daily basis. It'll make a change. It gives God an opportunity to speak to you. All Scripture 
is, is God-breathed that's useful for teaching, for rebuking, for correcting, for training in right living so that the person of God may be thoroughly equipped, not just anemically, but thoroughly equipped for every good work. If you read this week's uh, church-wide reading plan, uh, Ruth Graham, uh, or Anne Graham, uh, was the author of it, uh, daughter of Ruth and Billy Graham. And she shared in one of her uh, posts that, that we read, said that when she made her commitment to Jesus Christ and on the day of her baptism, uh, her mom and dad gave her a Bible. And in the fly leaf, they wrote this. It said, this is your one sure guide in an unsure world. It's the, it's the faith. It's the handle upon our trust in God, our handle on him to hang on to him in spite of what we can't see. This is your one sure guide in an unsure world. And then her, her mom closed with this. Read it, study it, love it, and live it. Read it, study it, love it, and live it. Joel 1.3 says, tell this to your children and let your children tell it to their children and their children to the next generation. Don't underestimate the impact that your personal relationship with Jesus will have on those around you and those after you. Pursue Jesus. It's never too late to turn to Jesus. It's never too late to pick up a reading plan. It's never too late to open God's word and just say, God, would you speak to me today? Would you encourage me? Would you teach me? Would you correct me? Would you train me? God, would you give me guidance in this unsure world, this unsure event that has just happened in my life, whether it's COVID-related or not? That we would come to Scripture because God's Word is living, it's active. So I want to say, live in light of what's coming. What's coming, your influence on the people around you and the next generation and the next generation. And it's driven by your personal relationship with Jesus Christ. It's never too late to, keep pursue, to start pursuing Jesus Christ. It was not uncommon for my late mother-in-law, Wanda, Wanda Beckham, I will, from here on out, refer to her as Graham. Uh, it was not uncommon for, for her to share with me what she was reading and what she was hearing from God. And it was never a lecture. Never, never. It wasn't, she was never passive aggressive. She would just simply say, Tim, here's what I'm reading. And this is what I'm learning from God. And this is, this is what I'm going to do with what I heard. Then she would follow up in a very non-judgmental way. She would then follow up and she would say, what are you reading? Boy, there were times I just wanted to slither out of the conversation because I knew I wasn't reading anything. And yet she would say, what are you reading and what are you hearing from God? And what do you want to, what, what are you going to do with what you're hearing from God? What's, what's, she would say, what's working, what's not working? She was an amazing woman. When you were around her, you felt that there was no one more important than you. When we lived in Texas, I would spend time with her, and I felt like Texas wouldn't be here without me. When I lived in New Mexico, I felt like New Mexico wouldn't be here without me. Living here in Nebraska, I felt like Nebraska wouldn't be here without me. When I hung around with her because she just took interest, and she, was, she took interest as the result of her relationship with Jesus Christ. It was just amazing. She never seemed to be in a hurry. She lingered. She lingered with God. She lingered with people. She lingered with God. She lingered with us. And it wasn't that she was trying to stop being in a hurry. She just was not in a hurry. And she had a gift of service. So it wasn't like she was just sitting around waiting on everybody else to serve her, as 
she well deserved, but she served. And it was the result, it was the overflowing of her relationship with Jesus Christ. I was her favorite. Yes, I was. I was her favorite. Unless you talked to Karen. Karen would say, she was her favorite. Unless you talked to Kevin. Kevin would say, he was her favorite. Unless you talked to Lauren. Lauren would say, she was her favorite. Unless you talked to Chastity. Chastity would say, I'm her favorite. Talk to Tyler. Tyler would say, I'm her favorite. And, and it all boils down to Pop, Jerry, her husband. He'd say, are you kidding? I was her favorite. She had that ability to make you feel important because she drew into you and cared about you. So when I read this passage, in 2 Timothy 2, 2 Timothy 1, I've been reminded of your sincere faith, and I personalize it, which first lived in Graham, And now lives in Karen. And I'm persuaded. It now lives in you. Don't underestimate the impact of your personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Has on those around you. I see her in my wife Karen. I see her show up in my kids. And every now and then, I proudly see her show up in me on a good day. And just a quick word, Kevin and Lauren, if you are listening, listen carefully. Watch how your mom is taking care of her dad. She's serving in huge ways. Watch carefully, take notes. I'm next. I want to close our time by looking at one of Wanda's favorite verses, and it's one that I hope will encourage you regardless of what uh, has been your background and your time uh, with a parent. And I want to drive you to what all of our worship, singing worship was all about. Our hope is in Christ and in Christ alone. The the joy of the Lord is our strength. It's found in Lamentations 3, 22 to 23. It's in the Old Testament. Lamentations 22 to 23. It says, The faithful love of the Lord never ends. His mercies never cease. Great is His faithfulness. His mercies begin afresh each morning. Notice this. The faithful love of the Lord never ends. His love endures forever. He can't love you any more than he already does. And he faithfully loves you the most he's ever loved you. And regardless of what you are facing, his love endures forever. This is a classic text, Psalm uh, 136. And let me just read a little of it. But that phrase, his love endures forever, is in repetition. And when something's repeated, it's because the clue bell ought to be going off. His love endures forever. 26 times the psalmist reminds everybody his love endures forever. Let me just read it, a couple of them. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. 
His love endures forever. Give thanks to the God of gods. His love endures forever. Give thanks to the Lord of lords. His love endures forever. In fact, repeat that with me each time. To him alone who does great wonders, his love endures forever. Who spread the earth upon the waters, his love endures forever. Who made the great lights, his love endures forever. The sun to govern the day, his love endures forever. The moon and stars to govern the night, his love endures forever. To him who led his people through the wilderness, his love endures forever. He remembered us in our low times. His love endures forever. Who freed us from our enemies. His love endures forever. Who gives food to every creature. His love endures forever. Give thanks to the God of heaven. His love endures forever. If I were to give you a final exam this morning, the clue bell should have gone off and you should know that in there saying, what can you always trust? What can you always depend upon? And it would be his love endures forever. Don't forget that. That's how Wanda lived her life. That's how all of us need to come to a point of saying, regardless of what may come, regardless of the disappointments, his love endures forever. Notice it says, not only does his love endure forever, his mercies, they are new every single morning. And in the Hebrew, the word mercy means indicating loving kindness, goodness, faithfulness, love, acts of kindness. It's new. It means it never wears out. His love endures forever, and you'd think that would be enough. But no, God goes on and says, not only am I, is my love going to endure forever, my loving kindness, my goodness, my faithfulness, my love, my acts of kindness will be brand new every day. He doesn't give us leftovers. Wow. Why would we not want to put our hope and trust in that kind of a God? Verse 24, then the psalm says, so I say to myself, don't read any further. Look up, look up. So I say to myself, knowing that his love endures forever and his, his mercies are new every single morning, I say to myself, I think it's interesting because we're always preaching some kind of hub theology to ourselves. What I mean by that, we're always looking towards something to find stability, to find relief, to find hope. And we always are speaking some kind of hub, meaning the, the internal part of a wheel, which is the most important part. The strength of every wheel comes from the hub. And all of us preach some kind of hub theology. Where are we going to look for our hope? Here's what I do know. Crisis always reveals who or what is our hub. It does. Crisis always reveals Who's in control of our lives or what is in control of our lives? In fact, I heard it put this way from a horticulturist. He must have come to my house this week. He said this, weeds are nothing if not messengers. Various weeds tell you what is wrong with your soil. Do not drive by my house today. If you do, wear a mask. It's not safe. The weeds are screaming, help! 
This yard needs help. Crisis reveals what is our hub. So the question that I think begs to be asked and answered is, what is this current crisis, COVID or not, that's not the point, what is this current crisis revealing in you? What's it revealing about you? Who, what, where are you going to find relief these days? And when the next issue comes, who, what, where are you going to go to find relief? And amazing, the psalmist saying after his love endures forever and ever and ever and his new mercies come every single day. He then says, so I say to myself, here's his hub. Are you ready for this? The Lord is my inheritance. Therefore, I will hope in him. Wow. May that be what we would all say. That our hope would be and in him alone. That we would wait patiently. That we would put our hope in him. Verse 25, the Lord is good to those who depend upon him, who hope upon him, whose handle is on God regardless of what they can or cannot see. I love in verse 25 it says, the Lord is good for those who depend upon him. And in the Hebrew that word depend means this. Ordering activities around a future event. How awesome is that? That we would order the unknown. That we would order it in a way of putting our hope, our hub in Jesus Christ. So the question is, where are we looking for our stability? My prayer is that you put your hope and trust in Jesus Christ. So here's what I'd like for you to do. I'd like for you to take your phone out. And I want you uh, to uh, call text this number, 402-260-2400. And in the blank space, just write or text the word respond. Just type in the word respond and hit send. Give you a moment to do that because I want you to respond. I want to give you an opportunity to respond and allow Jesus Christ to be the hub of your life. There are several things we'd like to know about you. But towards, as you scroll towards the bottom, I would like to talk with someone about following Jesus. If you're not sure that Jesus Christ is the hub of your life and you want to have discussion, we have a countless number of people who would love to interact with you and to help point you to Jesus Christ. Your hope needs to be in Him and in Him alone. Maybe you're ready to get in an online group. There's other opportunities for you to say, here's, what I, here's where I need help. But there's another place in response to today's message. I want to, maybe you just need to write in what you feel like God is speaking to you. Let me pull a Wanda. Let me pull a Graham on you right now. What are you reading this morning? What are you hearing? And what is God saying to you? What are you going to do about it? Maybe it's to make... Move Jesus as the hub. Move him from a spoke to a hub. Maybe it's to invite Jesus Christ into your life for the very first time. Maybe it's to begin to make a commitment to read Scripture today and tomorrow and the next day. In, in a few moments, we'll close, but I want you to hang around after our band uh, leads us. And here... There's some discussion questions, but here are two questions that I want you to wrestle with. And the first one is this. Crisis always reveals 
who or what is our hub. The question is, what is this current crisis revealing in you and about you? And give some thought to that and talk about it. And then second, what is one step you can take today to put your trust in God? To lean into him that the joy of the Lord would be your strength. If you're looking for a, a reading plan, this one will disrupt you in a real good way. Uh, but the reading plan is there for you. It's shelter in place with Joni Erickson Tata. She, as I think, as an 18 or 19 year old, had a diving accident and became a quadriplegic. And they're wrestling with how does how's God going to redeem this? And her her seven day uh, study is amazing. And and she has allowed God to be the hub of her life. And you, I don't want to give it away, but. It is so worth it, and you will be stretched in a good way. It will disrupt you, but it'll be a good disruption. Let me pray for us, and then I've got just a couple things to share with you. Father, I pray that our hope would be in you and in you alone. Thank you that your love endures forever. And thank you that you offer us encouragement and new mercies Every single day, they are brand new, they are fresh, and they never run out. May you, when we say to ourselves, may we say you will be our hope. You will be the one in whom we put our hope and trust. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I hope you'll stick around uh, in just a few moments. Uh, One, I don't want you to miss uh, our closing with our uh, worship team. And so it'll be fun and you need to to be a part of it. Uh, But afterwards, I want you to linger and uh, have some discussion uh, with uh, discussion questions. Let me just take uh, just a quick moment to give you a little update on where we are in terms of opening up at the building. We are not yet sure uh, when that will happen, hopefully in June, but we're not convinced that is the best time yet. We're still looking through all kinds of things. One, we're, we're already working on what a touchless service would look like where you don't have to touch a door. You can come in, no uh, worship guide or anything, and you'd be able to come in and leave. Our seating capacity is changing because of that and making sure that the seating is most conducive uh, to what uh, guidelines we've been given uh, but also an, an opportunity for us to worship well together. We will be asking everybody to wear masks uh, for uh, no children or student activities. And so uh, that will uh, we'll be worshiping together as family units. Those who are 65 and older will, and those with uh, compromised immune systems will be asking you to wait and wait and wait until we feel very good about it. But we are following the CDC guidelines and we won't be meeting together in this building until uh, the COVID numbers improve. All of that being said, we're making plans for that amazing day to come back together. But we need to know what your plans are. If we opened and had all those things that listed, and would you, would you come? Would you wait? That's going to help us know how to best uh, guide and plan. There was a survey sent out in Friday's Blast. I'll resend it. If you did not get it, if you would go online and just email us, office at newcovchurch.org, office at newcovchurch.org, and ask to be in our 
our, our mail out list. We'll make sure we get that to you. Uh, I am so grateful to be a part of a church that cares, points people to Jesus, and may the Lord bless you. May the Lord keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you. And may you know that the love of the, love of the Lord, his love endures forever, and his mercies are brand new for you every single day.